DNA. In the human body, it carries the genetic code responsible for who we are as individuals. In the Bible, the church is referred to as a body. So does the church have DNA? Welcome to another special edition of Crosswalk and our series entitled Cross Culture Reconnect. We're nearing the end of this series where we've been exploring what it is that makes Cross Culture Church who we are. We've looked at things like our name, our strategy, our passion, our vision, and our purpose. Today and next week, we're taking some time to look at Cross Culture's DNA or our defining non-negotiable absolutes. The seventh statement that Pastor Clay is going to share with us over the next two weeks form the foundation of all of the things we've talked about. In fact, our DNA is the foundation for everything we do here at Cross Culture Church. So let's dive right into our DNA. Here's Pastor Clay. We uh, have been uh, now for a few weeks in the series called Cross Culture Reconnect. Uh, it's a little different in that uh, not walking through a particular a section of the Bible as, as perhaps I would normally do, but instead I'm walking through some principles, uh, some ideals, some, uh, uh, some of, of who we are as a church and what makes us a church, what makes us particularly a cross-culture church. And uh, just to remind you, <clears throat> what we have looked at so far are uh, these uh, reconnect statements. Uh, we have restated our name, and I'll say it again, walking through what our name stands for, what it means, uh, who we are as a church. And I encourage you, uh, go back, listen to those messages and find out, okay, that's, if somebody asks me, hey, that's an interesting name or that's a funny name or I like that card or whatever else, where do y'all get that? You can tell them, listen, here's what cross-culture church means. That's what our name is. So we restated our name. We reintroduced our strategy and uh, why we as a church focus on two primary areas, at least right now in the life of our church. We focus on uh, small groups, what we call life groups, meeting in homes um, on a regular basis, small groups of 8, 10, 12 people doing life together. Um, that's one of the major aspects of who we are as a church, the other one being corporate worship, the gathering together, both the children and our C2 Kids ministry and uh, also in here as well, gathering together worshiping God, celebrating God, learning, hopefully learning more about God and what it means to call yourself a fully devoted follower of Jesus. So we reintroduced uh, our strategy and then rekindle our passion. We walked through that passion statement, which is very simple, very succinct, taking the cross to our culture, taking our culture to the cross, communicating the fact that that's going to be a central idea. And you've probably, if you've been in this series, you've heard this, the same, these same ideas come up over and over and over and over again. And I'll say it again, that is not by accident. We're trying to communicate a central truth, a central core of who we are as a church. We are a church that's going to take this message of the cross out to the culture around us. You'll hear a little more about that this morning. And if we do that, God promises then that he will work in people's hearts and lives and he will bring them to the cross. In other words, he'll bring them to that place of understanding what the cross is about, why the cross had to be, and what it is that God did at the cross. And so uh, we uh, rekindled our passion. And, and, and all of these are important, but if I could just... Uh, if I could just really just emphasize the fact that, boy, if we just got passionate about that idea right there, really passionate, really passionate, uh, God just really is going to continue to do great things. And then we refocused our vision. Where are we going as a church? Do, are we aiming at something? The old adage, if you aim at nothing, you'll surely hit it. 
That's right. So we're aiming at something. This is where we're going. We believe God wants, based on the population in this area, five-mile radius of this church, we believe God's called us out to impact and reach, minister to, and change the eternal destinies of a significant number of people. Um, If we'll be faithful to do what God has called us to do, we know that God will be faithful to do what he has said he will do. And then last week, or the last two weeks really, we focused on remember our purpose. And we walked through a number of things that are part of the purpose of who we are as a church. And uh, uh, say it again, go back, listen to those messages if you missed any of those. So one, two, three, four, five, uh, we've restated, we've reintroduced, we've rekindled, we've refocused, we've remembered. So naturally, we have to review our DNA. DNA um, contains the genetic code used in the, in the forming and the uh, implementation of all living organisms. DNA has been, uh, it's been compared to a blueprint, sort of a map that uh, lays out how each living organism will be created, come into being, uh, what its characteristics will be. It's a part of every living organism. Well, if you've hung around here for any period of time, you may have heard us say before that the Bible refers to the church as a living organism, not an organization. Did you hear me? Not an organization, but an organism, a living body. That each of us who are part of the body of Christ, each of us who have committed our lives to Jesus Christ, we, on a local level, on a local church gathered together, uh, coming alongside each other, doing life, doing ministry, doing these things together, that we, as Paul gives this analogy in one of his letters, we become the, the hands and the feet and the eye and the ear and all of these things of Christ here on earth, and we form this living body. So, if every living organism has DNA, guess what that means for cross-culture church? No, guess, really. (laughs) It means we have DNA. Sure, cross-culture church has DNA, or what we refer to, wait for it, defining non-negotiable absolutes. Defining non-negotiable absolutes. Cross-culture church has seven statements. And by the way, this is, this is where we're winding up this Reconnect series. This week and day, we won't cover them all today. We'll cover three this week and four next week. But the seven statements in their totality make up the DNA, the defining non-negotiable absolutes. Now, I don't think, I don't think that needs explanation but just to say it, defining, it, it shapes, it defines, it shows who we are. Non-negotiable. They're not up for debate. We don't take a vote on them. We don't take a poll, an opinion poll. They're non-negotiable. And they are absolute in the life of cross-culture church. And everything that we do as a church should come under the umbrella, maybe that's a good way to say it, should come under the umbrella of these seven defining, non-negotiable, absolute statements, our DNA, the blueprint for our life 
as a church. As we go through these, uh, you probably will again see some similarity in the things that we've talked about in our, in our purpose, the things we've talked about in our vision, the things we've talked about in our passion and our name and, and our strategy, all those things. You'll hear some similarities in that. That's as it should be. So, let's look at our first defining non-negotiable absolute this morning. Cross-culture church will be thoroughly biblical, holding faithfully to God's Word through its teaching and practice. Now, I can just tell you by making that statement right up front and putting it in, in, some of the statements might not necessarily be in a particular order, but this one is. It's very important to say from the very beginning, and we talked about this some last week in the purpose, but cross-culture church is going to be biblical. And it doesn't matter who stands up here. Long after I'm gone, cross-culture church, if, if, we, if we stick with our DNA statements, will be a biblical church. No matter who serves as an elder, no matter who's on the the, the various teams of this church or the staff, that we are going to be a biblical church. Now, that almost automatically means that we are sometimes going to come into conflict with our culture. Matter of fact, a lot of times we're going to come into contact, uh, conflict with our culture as a result of the fact that we're going to say we're, we're going to be biblical. We're going to go by what we believe is the absolute, authoritative, inspired, inerrant Word of God. That we believe that it is applicable for every single area of our life and that it contains truth without any mixture of error whatsoever in it. There may be mystery. There may be certain things that that we're still discovering or God's revealing to us within the context of what he's already revealed to us. But this is God's word. And to not go by it means that it, it carries no weight for us. It has no value. And so, we're going to be biblical. And you should insist, and I said something about this last week, you should insist that we are always biblical in both our teaching and our practice. In the book of Hebrews, we find this passage of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active. In other words, it's not this, you know, oh, that, that's just some ancient old book. Right? I, I was showing uh, Travis and Lauren the other night, I... Uh, my father-in-law came up and built me some bookshelves last week, and uh, I, I told you all this, I think, but I was getting all my books out this week, I was getting, all the, getting them out of the boxes, and they were so happy, and I was putting them up on the shelves and stuff, and, and, I, and I was getting them all out and all this kind of stuff, and so I was showing Travis morning the other night, I have this Bible that I think, I, I think my mom gave it to me, I can't remember where it came through the family or something like that, but it's almost 200 years old. It's, it's, it's got this lady's name and real fancy writing in there, who I think is somewhere in the background, some, I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's got the date, uh, November 28th, uh, 1816. It's almost 200 years old. But it's just as active and applicable for our lives today as it was 200 years ago, or 1,000 years ago, or 2,000 years ago. It is active, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints, and marrow. It's just a way, the writer says, it's just a way of saying the Word of God is able to get through. The Word of God is able to break through in your life. The Word of God is able to cut out of the way 
anything that, that it needs to to perform surgery on our hearts and lives, spirit, joints, and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This, this is it. This is what Cross Culture Church will be built on. And it doesn't matter if it sometimes appears antiquated or old-fashioned or, or unpopular with the culture in which it exists. Now, let me say this. Oftentimes, a biblical position is completely misrepresented by those that don't hold to that position. Uh, n- not picking on all news media, n- not all news media, but, but oftentimes news media or Hollywood or whatever can completely distort a, a biblical teaching, a biblical principle. So it's very important that people understand what Scripture actually teaches and what Scripture doesn't teach. But that's who we are. That's what we're going to do as a church. And so if somebody asks you, um, are, are y'all, uh, y'all going to, do y'all believe that book? Y'all believe that thing? We do. We absolutely do. We believe that anything in your life, the Word of God can deal with it. If you need joy, if you need correction, if you need instruction, if you need peace, if you need hope, the Word of God contains what you need. We need to do the best job we can as a church to make sure, whether it's life group, whether it's the person standing up here, whoever it is, that we're doing the best to instruct you in that, and then that we're practicing that, living that out biblically as part of a church. It's part of our DNA, and it will be a part of our DNA. Second, let's talk about this one. Cross-culture church will be, this is a a mouthful to say, but cross-culture church will be light on its feet, being willing and able to change directions and methodology as necessary to continue to, infect, to effectively engage and impact our culture now and into the future, don't miss that last part, without compromising our message. It should be fairly clear by now that as a church, our theology, what we believe about God, will not change. It will never change. Because God does not change. So what we believe about God will never change. But ladies and gentlemen, our methodology has to change. The way we engage people, the way we try and share the message and the love of Christ, the, uh, the way we teach, whatever it is we do, we have to constantly think. And that's why we have that statement in there that we're light on our feet. I think I, I think I heard something. I, <laughs> just seeing if y'all are awake. I know this is heavy. No, it's light. It's light. We're light on our feet. In other words, we are not going to become so bogged down in saying that, well, it must be done this way, or we have to do it that way. We have to. If, if we see that God is opening doors, or God is providing a way, we're going to be a church that's going to move in that direction. We, we try and do, and I'm terrible about this. The staff couldn't attest to this. I'm terrible about uh, calendar planning and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and calendar planning, you've got to do that kind of stuff. You've got to lay out you know, strategies and all that kind of stuff you're going to do. But we are not going to be a calendar-driven church. We are going to be a people-driven church. And so that when we see things, for instance, like the, the can hunger drive that we just, just heard about a few weeks ago that the high school was doing. We said, you know what? We'll do that. Let's jump in there. Let's come alongside of them. Let's, let's help stamp out... Uh, hunger, 
and come alongside the high school and, and minister to them in that way. So we're going to be light on our feet, folks. We're going we're gonna to move. And, and so you may say, hey, I, I, thought, I thought we used to do this. We did. Now we don't. Because as a church, we've decided that we're going to constantly evaluate everything. Right? Constantly evaluate everything to... to determine whether what we're doing glorifies God, whether it is effective in what it is we're trying, whether it's an outreach strategy or a worship style or, or whatever that case may be, are we accomplishing what it is supposed to be doing? And if not, we're not going to be afraid to say we're, we're not, we're not going to do that. This, this year, we're going to try something different. Now, can I tell you this? We will fail at a lot of stuff we try. It, I mean, it won't come off as well as we thought or it won't be as effective as we thought it would be. And you know what we say? Okay. We tried that. Now let's try something else. Because our theology doesn't change. We still know what God wants us to do, but our methodology must change. I've been reading a little bit of this book uh, entitled, uh, They Like Jesus, But Not the Church. Uh, It's by a guy named Dan Kimball. And uh, it's just, just, the book is about the idea that the current culture in which we live is not a Christian culture uh, here in America. And, uh, the idea of Jesus, the ideal of Jesus, and we'll talk about it more in a minute, um, is held in very high esteem by those outside of the church. But the church is not. And, and I just wanted to read you a real quick e- excerpt uh, from this, if I can uh, find it here. It says, and this ties in this whole idea about being a church light on its feet, being willing and able to change directions and methodology as necessary to, continually, to, to continue to effectively engage the culture around us. He um, says, we live... He says, we live in a quickly changing world. You might feel safe in the church world you live in, but step outside into the real world and things aren't quite the same anymore. For many pastors and church leaders, this is a scary admission. I recently met with a pastor who told me the history of his church. Back in the 70s, it was one of the dominant churches in his community, but now it's shrinking and aging. He drew an attendance graph on a whiteboard, and the line dramatically dropped downward. He expects they will be shut down in a matter of years. I wonder if this story won't be playing out in many churches, even mega churches. And then he says this, it's too easy for pastors and church leaders to get caught up in the busyness of church activities with Christians and to subtly lose touch with the mindset That's what we're talking about here, the mindset of emerging generations. It's too easy to get caught in in our little church subcultures, and the result is that the only people we might know are Christians who are already inside the church. How easily that can happen to us, ladies and gentlemen. But we've said from the very beginning that we are going to find ways to continue to engage our culture. And so, we have to evaluate everything that we do, determine it's, whether it's accomplishing what we want it to do, and if not, have the boldness, have the guts to say, you know what, we're, this is going to tick some people off, or this is going to make some people mad, or some people might leave the church because of this, but we're going we're to change. We're going to go in a new direction and try uh, something else, because our methodology must change. Ask Coca-Cola if they still market to the to, uh, the world the way they did in the 1950s or any other 
business or corporation for that matter. They recognize that the way we communicate, the way we receive uh, information and, and how, we, uh, how we dissect uh, that information has changed as a culture. And you and I have to find a way to take this message to the people around us without compromising that message. So we're going to be light on our feet. Here's one of our sayings here at Cross Culture. We, we kind of say it uh, this way. We operate inside the book, but outside the box. We're going to be biblical. That's our, that's our goal, to be biblical. But after that, anything's a go, all right? We, we, we don't even know where the box is. We don't, we, don't, we don't even want to know where the box is. We got the, we got the book. After that, hey. so by the way, you remember a couple weeks ago, one of the things we talked about was using your creativity. You have to think. This, you can help us with this. You can, you can say, well, hey, listen, did you ever think about that this is a, a way that we could hold a worship service? Or did you ever think about that this was something that we could do in the community that would really uh, impact them and do some good in our community? Or if you ever, bring us ideas. Bring, talk to anybody, your life group leader or a staff member or an elder. Talk, come to somebody and say, hey, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. That's how I do it all the time anyway. So that works out. Uh, so, so, so bring it to us. Now, not every idea, you know, we may not do every idea. But... We're looking for ways to continue to, to reach our community, all right? And then tied into that then will be our third um, uh, DNA statement this morning. Cross-culture church will be committed to taking the message of Jesus. Notice how that last one ended without compromising our message. Cross-culture church will be committed to taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth through hands-on involvement. Could I get you all to say hands-on Hands-on. Hands-on. <laughs> Through hands-on involvement in missions and the planting of new churches in the Research Triangle Park community, that, the central part of, of North Carolina where we are, Raleigh, Cary, Durham, you know, all this area, Chapel Hill, throughout the world. So it starts here. Remember, this is one of the things that we say here, there, and everywhere for us. Here, there, and everywhere. It starts here, but we're, we're determined to be involved in hands-on missions throughout the world. We haven't always done very good at that, quite honestly, in the last four years. We're working on it. We're doing some things, some ideas, some trips we've got. We're in the process of trying to plan for uh, 2013 that are outside of these borders. But just as Bill shared this morning, you can, you can go to Lifeway. You can buy an a, a armful of those $5 books, and you can carry it over. You can maybe make... Uh, uh, who, may, who has famous Christmas cookies? Somebody in here, I'm sure, has famous... Yep, Karen Armstrong. I was, fi- was going to say, that woman better raise her hand. Uh, fa- famous Christmas cookies. What if you took some of those cookies and you took one of those books and said, listen, just, just had a gift for you. I just appreciate you. I know we don't talk a lot as neighbors. And, you know, I know you think I'm kind of weird, but, but here, here's cookies. Because <laughs> this, this, is, this is who we are. It's what we've got to do. Hands-on involvement in missions planning of new churches. We want to continue to see that both from cross-culture and others that we support in the days ahead. It's something that we have to be a part of because it's who we are as a church. So that raises a question. Cross-culture church will be committed to taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. So the question is this. What is the message of Jesus? Now, if you're sitting here and maybe if you, if you grew up in a Christian environment or if, you, if you've come to accept Christ as your Savior, you may say, well, duh. Everybody knows what the message of Jesus is. No, I can assure you they do not know what the message of Jesus is. 
there is a lot of confusion, just as that book brings out. Oh, they like Jesus. They just don't like the church. Now, what they mean by that usually is they like the idea, the things that they like about Jesus. So the message of Jesus, quite honestly, has been very convoluted, distorted. Hey, can I tell you this? The church is to blame for, for much of it. Cindy and I were driving down the road yesterday, uh, running around doing some errands, and uh, there was a car in front of us that had a, uh, a sticker in its window of a particular church, uh, a church denomination. Um, by the way, we have cross-culture stickers for your windows. Do we still have those? we still have some of those? You know we're giving them away. Originally, we were selling them for $1, what they cost us. But I said, please, just put them all on your car. If, if you need a place bondoed, put one of those on it. If you need a place that's rust, paint it, put, one of the, put it on your window, put it everywhere. It's, and it's not a big sticker. I'm, I want to get a big sticker for back in my Suburban. But, but it's a little sticker. We got those. It says, all said, cross-culture church. Let, let me tell you, by the way, that's, stay with me. Um, Somebody pulls up beside you at a red light, and they, you know, they look over, and, and they see in your window, cross-culture church. Now, when they look over there, by the way, like if you're a husband and wife or something, they look up there, don't let them look over there, and your windows are up, but they see you going, <laughs> you know, don't, don't be doing that stuff. Maybe that's why some of y'all don't want to put them stickers on there, because you know you're, it's, it's, it's on like Donkey Kong then when you put that sticker on there. So you don't want to, okay, so, but, but listen, they pull up beside you, they look over there, and they see that cross-culture church, and they say, because listen, there is something about our name that is intriguing. I'm just telling you, they're just, it catches people, and so I say, hmm, cross-culture church. Not everybody, but guess what some people do? They pull out their smartphone, I know they're not supposed to, and they Google cross-culture church. I'm telling you, it It happens. So don't underestimate even, even a, a window sticker. But anyway, uh, back to whatever I was talking about. Uh, going down the road, and here's this car. It's got this certain denomination sticker uh, in their window. And then down on the right-hand side, on their bumper, they've got this sticker that says, and everybody's seen these, coexist. And it's got like, and coexist is spelled out with all the different religious symbols of the world. Now, can I say this? The idea of coexisting with other religions is uh, Christianity has never been about forcing genuine, authentic Christianity has never been about forcing anyone into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Each person has the the freedom to to believe in whatever they choose to believe in. So no one can or should be forced forced into the kingdom of God. You can't actually, by the way. But uh, so coexist. That I understand. But that's not what that sticker means. What that sticker means when you see that sticker. What that sticker means is. All religions are valid. All religions are the same. All religions are simply multiple paths to God. Now, you, you may think or believe that or whatever. Jesus didn't believe that. He taught something very differently. And so there's this thing about choice. What I'm saying is, here's the sticker for this Christian denomination in the window. And right beside it is this thing that says coexist. So there's, some, there's a lot of confusion over what is the message of Jesus. So I'm going to run through it real quickly this morning. Then we're going to go into the Lord's Supper um, uh, through just this little thing I, call, I came up with called the one. By the way, you could use this yourself. If you had an opportunity to share your faith and somebody said, well, what, what is it you, you believe? What is it you believe? What is the message of Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? You could use the one. You could learn this in no time uh, flat. I, I did. 
Um, but it starts out and it goes like this. Everyone needs a savior. That's part of the message of Jesus. Some of you probably have seen these passages of scripture in Romans 3.10. There is none righteous, not even one. Paul writing, referring to mankind. There is none righteous. Righteous meaning right standing with God. Without, there is no one without sin in their life. There is no one who has not committed sin. And this one, Romans 3.23, maybe a little more uh, famous. Uh, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every one of us. That's why people who know Christ their Savior, we don't, we don't have anything to brag about us. No, everyone has sinned. Everyone needs a Savior. That's part of the message of Jesus. Second, no one can be his or her own Savior. It doesn't work that way. Well, if I'm good enough, or if I act nice enough, or if I, if I uh, uh, do enough good deeds, or if I give enough money uh, to the church or, or charitable organizations, no one can be his or her own Savior. We can look at multiple passages of Scripture, but uh, just a couple of these. One in Isaiah 64, all of us are dirty with sin. Do you understand that? All the right things we have done are like filthy pieces of cloth. All of us are like dead leaves, and our sins, like the wind, have carried us away. So what we think is a good deed or whatever, when it's done in our own righteousness, in our our own attempt to earn God's favor, God says, it's it's like a filthy rag to me. This isn't about what, what you can do for me. How about this one? Ephesians 2. God saved you by His grace. When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Should I read that again? Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. This is about what God has done, ladies and gentlemen. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. No one can be His or Her own Savior. Third, only one is the Savior. Now, this is particularly, particularly unacceptable in the culture in which we live, an exclusivity to dare to say that there is actually only access to God in one way. But, as I said this, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, I'm not the one that's, I'm just the one saying it, I'm not the one who came up with it, God said it himself. Um, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, again, each person has to determine what they believe about that when they come to a place of saying, yes, I I believe that's true. But Jesus is the one that said it. So, Acts 4, 12, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There is only one Savior. Everyone needs a Savior. No one can be his or her own Savior. There's only one Savior. And listen, I say the best for last, ladies and gentlemen. Anyone can have the Savior. Anyone. Regardless of age or or wealth or skin color or language that you speak or 
Anyone can have the Savior. And I, I know I've I know I got to hurry, but I want to throw several of these in here just so you can, maybe you want to jot these down just so you can be reminded of these passages of Scripture. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, we've already determined that all of us are sinners. That's a pretty heavy burden. And Jesus offers this invitation for anyone and everyone to come. John three sixteen. Oh, come on. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The world that anyone could come to him, that whoever believes in him. How about this one? Acts 2.21. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How about this one? Romans 10, 13, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How about this one? Revelation three twenty. behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. I will have relationship with that person. If any person would open the door to me. And then this last one, right? The very last chapter of the Bible, God's still inviting anyone. Revelation twenty two seventeen. the spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. Anyone can have the Savior. You walked in here this morning. You may have a relationship with this Savior. You may have been thinking about it. You may be uncertain. God may be saying to you this morning, you're the one. You're the one I died for. You're the one I've provided eternal life for, if you would come to me. Well, there you have it. The first three defining non-negotiable absolutes of Cross Culture Church. And as you've just heard, being biblical and being missional are a big part of who we are as a church. As a matter of fact, if you've been with us throughout this series, you've probably already picked up on that idea. Our theology, what we believe about God, will never change, but our methodology must change if we're going to continue to successfully engage the world around us with the message of Jesus. And join us next week as we continue to explore the DNA of Cross Culture Church in the series Cross Culture Reconnect. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh. But instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.